But it's been my privilege to know uh, Reverend Jason Woods for, what, 10, 15 minutes now? And uh, no, <laughs> probably, what, about eight years maybe, something like that? Six, seven years? Probably five years too long. But anyway, uh, no, we, we go way back. Jason's been a, a, a full-time minister at times, a bivocational minister at times. He's got a beautiful voice, and he has been a music minister for many years uh, with his own family, with Crimson Stream. Now he runs a, a trio called Ezekiel's Call. He's uh, preaching along with singing. And um, you are now teaching at what school? Open Door Christian School. He is hails from the Waynesburg area. And we ain't going to hold that against you. We ain't got any Pennsylvania folks here. But What's that? Well, there's something good about you then. But, uh, yeah, Jason and I enjoyed each other's company. We enjoyed each other's singing. Uh, well, I think we've been kindred spirits for quite a while and didn't even know it. But uh, it's, it's my privilege. Jason, I hope I think you're going to be with us three or four weeks. And uh, so my credibility is on the line here, man. Yeah, I got an uh-huh for the last two guys, and they were great. But uh, I hope you make feel welcome, Reverend Jason Woods. 45 years of the preacher's kid. I'm good. Love you, man. Mr. Bob Wolf, I know this much. If God ever called a man to sing, he called Bob Wolf to sing because I can't think of another thing he can do. <laughs> and on that, he left the platform, folks. No, I've had the honor and privilege of knowing Brother Bob for quite a while, and uh, he, uh, he's got a great uh, singing voice, but also, too, he sings for, from the heart. And he sings for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the same as I do. And uh, I, I've never, in the groups, I've been out traveling and singing. I just celebrated 18 years in uh, this past October of traveling and singing gospel music. But here in the last year with Ezekiel's Call, um, I've had the more opportunity, churches we go into, to preach on a Sunday morning. Uh, they ask us, can you come in and sing, but does one of you preach? And the girls say, not us. He does. And uh, so I've had the opportunity to preach. And last year, just to show you how God's blessing has been on the ministry, uh, you know, anytime you make a change or a transition, you always wonder if you're making the right decision. And I traveled and sang with a group called Crimson Stream from February of 2010 until December of 2016. And the Lord was just moving in my heart that it was time for a change. He started stirring my nest and... I thought for certain I was going to go back into solo ministry and just doing evangelism and, and revivals and things. But God had different plans. In February of last year, I joined up uh, with Ezekiel's call. We started getting things in motion. And uh, God just put it all together. And last year, we were, God allowed us to be in seven different states and sing a hundred different dates from March into December of last year. And uh, this year, we're looking forward to being in about 11 to 12 states this year, singing and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we covered your prayers as we traveled. We put a lot of miles on the road last year. I put over 57,000 miles on my personal vehicle traveling and singing. Uh, we try to take the girls' cars, but they're little cars, and I'm a big guy, and I don't fit well in little cars. Amen? So we take my journey. But this morning, the passage we're going to go off of this morning is, uh, is John chapter 6. They know I'm in town. The sirens are already sounding. I tell you what, I got excited this morning when I pulled in and I saw my name out there, Magic Marker. I knew I'd hit the big time. Amen? And uh, so I love to have fun. Listen, you can have fun in God's house and you can laugh. Aren't you glad of that? Listen, if you can't laugh in God's house now, we won't even get to heaven. 
Believe me, God's got a sense of humor. He created every single one of us. So, but as, as we had our scripture reading earlier, and I'm not going to read it all over again, but there's a couple of key verses I want to uh, point out there in John chapter 6. The title of my message this morning is Living on the Leftovers. And sometimes when you're going through a time of change, a season of change, a season of, uh, of, of maybe uncertainness, it's nice to know that what God has given in the past, you can live off of that leftover for a while. And that's how God works. God blesses us and God gives us nuggets out of His Word and gives us nuggets out of, out, from Him, golden nuggets as Libby Perry likes to call it, golden nuggets that we can live by, that when we're going through hard times or times of change and times of uncertainty, that we know that God gives us things that we can live off of. Now, this story is a very simple story. It's a very famous story. Probably one of the first stories I remember learning in Sunday school years ago. Now, I believe that there were probably more than 5,000 people there. Because it says there was 5,000 men. So if half of them were married, that's 2,500 women. And if they each had one child, that's 2,500 children. So you're looking at close to 10,000 people that were fed that day. That's one big banquet to fill. I'm going to tell you right now. But this little lad... Is, is, is one of the people that surprised, that not surprised, but it's really how Jesus used that little lad. Jesus loved children. Matter of fact, if you remember, he scorned the disciples and said, hey, let them come. And listen, unless you have a childlike faith this morning, you can't come to Jesus Christ. I've got a 12-year-old daughter at home, and, and, I, and I love her to death, but she's getting a little bigger and a little taller now. And she's about five foot four, and she's going to be like her mom. Her mom's 5'11". And... Um, she has this thing at our house, and I come home, she'll come down the steps, and when the steps bend, she'll jump and say, catch me, without saying the word, catch me. So I've always caught her. Why? Because she has faith to believe in location. And the last time she did it, which was a couple weeks ago, about knocked me to the ground, because she's getting bigger now, and I told her, you got to stop doing that, you're going to kill old dad. But she had that faith to believe that if I jump, dad's going to catch me. And in a time of transition, like that you were in seeking a pastor and seeking someone to be the permanent senior pastor of this church, of this body of believers, it's a time of uncertainty. It's a time of, well, what decision do we make? And you need to be praying for your deacons and for the pulpit committee that, that God guides them and directs them and gives them the wisdom that they need to make this decision. But he brought this lad. Now, this lad left that morning, left his house. Now, I'm paraphrasing a little bit because this doesn't say this in the Bible, so just bear with me. Uh, that you'll find this, and I joke around and say this, so I hope nobody is offended about it. You'll find that in the book of Jason, chapter number 13 or something like that. But I believe that little lad left that morning that he was going to go see Jesus. Heard about this man that was healing the sick, raising the dead. When you said deceased this morning, I thought we were first in a Methodist church. I wasn't sure when you said that. But, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Don't tell the Methodists that, please. Um, but anyways, packs that lunch, and he's going to go see Jesus. Now, I'm sure he had no idea. When he left that morning, what was about to happen to him? He took his lunch, and he went on his way. He gets there, and, and, and Andrew... Now, he goes to Philip first, and he says, Philip... And Je what I like about that one verse where it says, Jesus himself already knew what he was going to do. Don't think for one minute that God did not know that you were going to be in need of a pastor. He knew that before you did. He already knows what he's doing. And as, uh, as was said earlier, he's got the man out there... God's just got to reveal them to the public committee and to the church. But God's got somebody out there for this body of believers. I believe that with all my heart. 
So Andrew, and, and t- a couple of things I noticed about Andrew in the Bible. He's not mentioned very much in the Gospels. But when he is, he's bringing people to Jesus. I'm working on writing a song right now. Lord, help me to be an Andrew. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus, his brother. And now he's bringing this lad to Jesus. And so he brings this lad to him. And I'm sure when Andrew went to this little boy, he said, Now listen, you want to share your lunch with Jesus? I'm sure he said, Oh yeah, I'll share my lunch with Jesus. Sure, no problem. I don't think he understood what Andrew meant. But he went. And he took it. And God blessed it. And when he blessed it, I would have loved to have been there to see that. You know, you got... Two fishes and five biscuits, basically. Barley loaves, biscuits. You know, I go get two chicken strips and five biscuits from uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm still looking for more to eat after I eat that. But they grab, and all of a sudden, could you imagine? They grab that out, and all of a sudden they think, it's going to be gone. And the next thing you know, there's just more. It keeps coming out. And more, and more, and more, and more. And I, I mean, everybody's getting fed. So, then we go down to verse 13, which is my key verse this morning. It says, Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Now, twelve baskets. I think, I don't know this for sure. I'd love to ask Jesus this someday when I get to heaven. I wonder if the reason there was 12 baskets is because there were 12 disciples that didn't think he could feed the 5,000 and said, I'm going to make you boys carry them 12 baskets back to this boy's house. Not only that, could you see the look on his mother's face when 12 men come behind him carrying 12 baskets and she's thinking, what did he do now? I grew up as a preacher's son. My dad pastored for 45 years. Uh, He pastored Trinity Baptist Church in Waynesburg for 23 of those years. And I was our youth pastor there, music director and everything for a while before I went out and started traveling and singing. I ran our junior church, taught Sunday school. And um, my parents growing up, how many of you remember the gospel Jubilee that was on TV years ago on Sunday morning? Jubilee, Jubilee. I remember that. You know how I remember that? Because in between the Jubilees, that's when I was getting spanked on the way to church. Jubilee, pow, pow. Jubilee, pow, pow. That's how it was. I was ordinary. I was. I'm a preacher's kid. Listen, I'm ordering from the word go. The girls that we go out and sing and stuff, they say we never know when you open your mouth what you're going to say. Matter of fact, on our website it says I'm a preacher's kid. He says he always has an interesting story about that. And uh, I do. There's a lot of stories I have. But if I came back to my house from school when I was a kid and there were 12 guys behind me carrying something... First thing my mama said, oh no, what now? What did he break now they're bringing to show me? You know, I thought it was a good idea when I was in second grade to see if a globe bounced like a basketball. It didn't. Uh, me and my friend were sent inside. Now, you know, this is back before all the security issues and everything we have now, but the little country school I went to, uh, we were not being have on the playground. So me and my friend Scott Miller, uh, who is now a Marine and... I have great respect for him. He is, he's always in with the black ops. You never really know where he's at. But uh, when he services, we always contact each other. But uh, him and I were running buddies in school because both of our dads worked in the mines together. And uh, so we, they, the teacher did this. Now, you sent two second graders that were being bad on the playground into the classroom with no adult supervision. Not a good idea on this teacher's part. 
So we're in there and we see this big globe. And I looked at him. I said, do you think that globe bounces like a basketball? He goes, I don't know. Let's see. So all of a sudden, we're, we're passing back and forth. So I'm going to bounce past. And I did that globe cracked right at the equator. One, one went this way. The other part went that way. So we looked out the window. We could see the playground. We saw the kids were lined to come back in. So we thought we'd be really smart. We grabbed the globe. I held it together. And he took tape and taped in certain places. Guess what class was after recess? Geography. The teacher gets up and she spins the globe. When she spins the globe, one the bottom half goes one way, the other half goes the other way. She didn't even have to look at us. She just said, Jason, Scott, to the principal's office. Yeah, so my dad wasn't too happy either because they had to buy a new globe. And uh, believe me, we would have rather paid for the globe than got what we got when we got home. But these 12 baskets, these are leftovers. Now, this, this family, probably that village he lived in, were going to eat off of those leftovers for the next several days. Off of one blessing that God gave. So my point is this. When you're going through a time of transition, when you're going through a time of uncertainty and not sure what the future is going to hold. I believe God gives us some things that can help us get through that season in our lives. And I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about your personal life. There's times that we have things that God has called us to do, maybe our comfort zone that we've been in, and then the next thing you know, God says, I want you to do this, and it's not in your comfort zone. And you've got to take that step of faith out to be in that non-comfort zone. Lord, I don't like this. Don't worry. If God tells you to do it, He's going to take care of you. So that's the first basket we can live off of for a while, is our faith. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're born again and you're saved by the blood of the Lamb, listen, you have faith this morning. It's a faith that is rock solid because of the person that our salvation, our personal relationship is rooted and grounded in, and that's Jesus Christ. When He's your rock... Nothing can move you. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Faith. Faith to believe that A, God will take care of you. B, God will get you through the situation. And C, God will take you where He wants you to go. That's how faith works. Faith is something, believing in something that you can't see. But it's something you know is going to be there. You know, I, I, I'm a big, uh, uh, I, I love watching uh, Harrison, I'm a big Harrison Ford fan. And I love Indiana Jones movies. And the third one, the, uh, the, uh, the, with the Last Crusade, yes, thank you. There's been so many of them. I've almost said Empire Strikes Back and I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> But there's this different test they've got to do to get to the Holy Grail. And one's called the Leap of Faith. And he's looking and he sees this cavern. He doesn't see. There's no way I'm going to make this. And then his dad, who was played by Sean Connery, says, You have to have faith, boy. You have to have faith. He takes a deep breath. And you can just see everything go out of him. And his eyes just, okay. And he steps. And what happens? Boom. There's a bridge there, a land bridge that's camouflaged in with the, with, the, with the rocks. That's the faith we've got to have. We've got to have that faith to say, okay, God, I trust you to take, for me to take the next step. I know you're preparing the way, and then just step. 
and then let God continue guiding you and directing you. So the basket of faith. Another basket is the basket of healing. Now when I say healing is anytime you go through something in life, no matter what it is, if it's a, a loss in the family, here recently my family, we lost our 27-year-old daughter to a drowning accident out in Hawaii. Uh, we had her home-going service last Sunday, and um, she left behind a four-year-old little boy that lives with his, uh, his, uh, his uh, adoptive, well now they're his guardians, his uh, godparents out in Hawaii. And um, there's a time that we needed to heal from that. We're still healing from that. Because it's a tragic loss. You don't expect to get a phone call saying that your 27-year-old daughter was killed in a drowning accident. But we all face things like that. And when we go through seasons of loss in our families, or, 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 or we have a, a trial in our Christian life, there's a time you've got to heal. You've got to heal a little bit. Listen, uh, when, when you're looking for someone to be the senior pastor of a church, and I can speak from experience because my dad's a preacher and I've been around it my whole life, is that, you know, when you're praying for God to send the right person, you're not just thinking, the deacons aren't just thinking of themselves, they're thinking of the whole body of the church. Somebody's going to meet the needs of everybody in the church. And the only way that's going to work is if they allow God to direct them. But when one pastor leaves before a new one comes in, I believe you have to have a time of healing. To get yourselves and get your spirit and your mindset back right. Because when you have a pastor in a church and, and, and you've, you've had a preacher and you've had a pastor, in my experience, you know, when my dad, uh, a couple different churches he was in, you know, you get in there, you get used to knowing people, and then all of a sudden, God says it's time to move on, and I ain't ready to move on, but dad says it's time to go. I was so thankful that he was at Trinity for 23 years. It's, 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 it's the longest he'd ever been at one church. But God took that church that was small and had been through a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a couple of splits and everything else. God brought him in there. And my dad, I love him to death. He's the only guy I know. I think he has the patience of Job, the height of a rhinoceros, and nerves of steel. Because nothing moves that man. And I thank God he's my dad because I learned a lot from him. But my dad went there and says, it's just going to take time. And now over the years, the church has grown. My dad retired a few years ago. My brother now pastors the church. And they're doing great. My brother has, is younger. He's uh, four years younger than me. And uh, he, he's brought some new ideas in, some things that my dad didn't do. And my dad came to me one day and he goes, I don't know. I don't know what your brother's doing. You know, because... My dad was one of them, uh, he, well, I guess he still is, one of them independent, fundamental, King James Version, roof-rattling, window-shaking preachers. You know, and he's happy about it. But he said, I don't know what you're... And he would call me on the phone and say, I think your brother's making... I said, Dad, he's the pastor. Let it go. And here's the thing. What worked in the past may not work in the future. Not that you change the message. But the delivery sometimes has changed. When my brother put a big screen TV in the front of the church, <laughs> my dad about had a heart attack. <laughs> he goes, what in the world do we need a 55-inch TV in the front of the church for? I said, Dad, what you, my dad does not like... My dad still has a flip phone, all right? He don't like technology. He told me the day he has to go to the smartphones, the day he goes back using the CV, which I thought that was funny. But... 
everybody uses technology now. And it's used for good and it's used for bad. But there's a lot of churches this morning that are broadcasting, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ correctly and rightly that are viewed all over Facebook and all these different avenues, YouTube, all this stuff. God's given it so we can use it for the right thing. Now, I've been in some churches traveling and singing that I've been in some churches when I walk in there. I don't know if I'm walking into a church or I'm walking into a rock concert venue. I'm not sure. Uh, we were in one church and uh, singing last year, and, and we got in there, and I'm looking around, and everything's modern looking, and you know, it just. And then when they started church, all the lights drew down, and I looked at the girls. I said, "This is going to be fun." I said, "Grab your wallet." And uh, so, all of a sudden. This, this music starts and I look up and they've got a praise and worship band on the stage and I'm not, I'm not against that, but it just, it, it just felt like I was at a rock concert instead of church service. And I said, uh, so what I said was when I got up there, the girls go, just behave yourself, please, just behave yourself. And I looked at them, I said, did they already give us the love offering check? She goes, yeah, they gave it to that, to that when we first walked in. I said, good. And, uh, <laughs> they, they said, please, just behave, just behave. So I got up, I said, well, I said, that was interesting, folks. Now we're going to get you back to God a little bit. The girls just looked at me and they just hit the button to play the song. By the time we got done, the whole attitude of that place had changed. Now, I'm not saying what they were doing wasn't working, but it wasn't feeding the Spirit, it was feeding the flesh. And to me, when you're in church, the spirit should be, the spirit, your spirit should be fed. So faith, but you need that time of healing. I get on rabbit trails sometimes. I apologize. Second of our third basket would be the basket of hope. You have a hope this morning. You have a hope that's named Jesus Christ. And He's got you this morning. You may think that He doesn't, but He does. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's always, always there. A lot of times people ask questions when national tragedies happen, just like this past week when the dreadful school shooting happened down in Florida. Where was God? God's the same place He's always been. It's us that have decided to say, ah, we want to do it our way. You know, I, I, I remember when I was in grade school, in kindergarten, down in Core Elementary, down outside of Morgantown, West Virginia, where I was born and raised, um, we had a prayer Pledge of Allegiance, and they always read. The, they always did the Lord's Prayer. And we didn't read from the Bible. They did the Lord's Prayer every morning. That's what we did, up until I got into second grade. Then they stopped. But what we would do is, in the, and when the weather was good, we'd go out around the flagpole. They'd raise the flag, and that's how we did it. Now I'm not saying that prayer in schools and Bible reading in schools would stop this stuff that's going on. But I will tell you this. It wouldn't hurt. People want to know where God is in our public schools? We kicked Him out a long time ago. One person took Him out of schools. And listen, it is tragic what happened down there in Florida. But I'll tell you something. If our hope cannot be in the public school system, our hope cannot be in Charleston, West Virginia. In Pennsylvania, where I live, hope cannot be in Harrisburg. And we sure know that hope ain't in Washington, D.C. I told somebody the other day, brother, I said, do you realize that a group of 
baboons is called a congress? <laughs> Think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. But that's not where our hope lies this morning. Our hope lies in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're born again, and and listen, just because you're sitting in a church this morning, I don't know your heart this morning. I don't know where you stand with God this morning. That's why I say, if you're born again, because I don't know you. You don't know me. Now, by looking at your faces this morning, and some of you are smiling, and some are like, man, I just wish you'd shut up. But by the look of everybody's faces, I feel a kindred spirit. And the Bible says that our spirits will bear witness with one with another if we're born again. Is that not what it says? And then we got fruit of the Spirit and, and, and everything that's that, that we can see. But there's some people that are sitting in churches just like this this morning that have no hope because they don't know Jesus Christ. Oh, they know about Him, but they don't know Him. I preached last week in Waynesburg over at Rolling Meadows Church of God. They let an old Baptist boy preach in the Church of God, believe it or not. I don't think they knew what hit them. And uh, they never, never been with anybody like me. And uh, I preached a message on, do you know Him? Do you know Him? And that's a very important question because I have been in churches where I've seen Sunday school teachers that have taught Sunday school for 20 plus years walk the aisle and get saved during a revival. And they taught Sunday school. You know, there was a couple years ago, we had uh, that Left Behind series that came out. I love the books, the movies, I could do without. But the books were good. Uh, then before that, we had The Thief in the Night and, and those movies that were about the second coming. There is something very interesting in both sets of those movies that I saw. And that was that the pastors of the churches were left behind. That should scare us to death. That they were left behind. They're ones that preach the Word. You're saying, Brother Jason, you mean to tell me that there's preachers that are up in America preaching today that aren't going to go to heaven? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they're in it for the wrong reason. They have no heart, no desire. They, They want to pad their pocketbook. And when somebody comes out and smiles and says, God's got a better plan for you. He does, but he has no clue what the plan is. You get mad at me if you want to. I don't care. I can't stand that guy. He just he just curls my toenails. I mean, it's just bad. He, uh, I told I was I was sitting through TV one night and I saw him on TV and I said, you know what? I think Billy Ray Cyrus needs to call him and get his hairdo back. Now listen, I listened to that man's dad preach. And he was an old-time Pentecostal preacher who believed in salvation and, 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 and the power of God's Spirit in lives and changing lives. Not telling people how you become a better you. I remember a couple years ago, he was up in Pittsburgh. I'm not naming his name, but you all probably know who I'm talking about. Um, if you don't see me after service, I'll tell you. Um, he made a comment. that This is when the whole gay marriage thing first started. He said, well, I believe it's not God's best plan for them. What? It's never God's plan. Genesis says He created man and woman. And they would leave each other and cleave to each other and become one flesh. By the way, y'all know what Eve's favorite meal is? Ribs. (laughs) 
I got to I got to tell this real quick. We were out eating somewhere after a sing one night. And there's like about 20 of us in this in this IHOP, and we were down south, down in Nashville. And down there, the menus are different, and they had ribs on the menu at IHOP. We were all tired, and I looked at all the guys. I said, "Don't any of you order ribs because if we fall asleep, the women are going to multiply." <laughs> they looked at me and they go, "Boy, you're a you're you're a brave man." But hope, hope. Hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Hope that we have that God's going to lead the board of this church in the right direction to do what they need to do to make sure this body of believers is taken care of. Not that they're trying to be dictators or or, or this is what we're going to do. No. God has put them in the position they're in so they can help make that decision and present somebody to the church. That hope. Hope. So we got faith. We've got healing. We've got hope. And the last one I want to talk about this morning is love. My son, who's 22 years old, when I was pastoring, he asked him one Sunday morning, I said, Son, what's it mean when I close my Bible? He goes, Absolutely nothing. <laughs> love. Love like Jesus loved. Listen, right now you folks need to love each other more than you've ever loved each other before. You need to need to love the Lord more than you've ever loved Him before. Listen, the kind of love that God gave us, agape love, an unconditional love, that is awesome kind of love to be given by our Savior. But we can share that same kind of love of Christ through us, through others in the church. Listen, now's the time to gather around and, and, and love on each other a little bit and be there for each other and, and come up to the deacons and to the pulpit committee and say, hey, we're praying for you. Hey, we love you. We know God's going to lead you in the right direction. Listen, you would be amazed what that will do for them. Got to have that love. Listen, you know, love in a church is, is a necessity. We've got to love each other. You know, a lot of times I go into some churches and we were in one church singing one time and I sat down on a pew. I didn't know it was somebody's special pew. I just sat down there. So I'm sitting there and the girls come up and sit beside me and I'm saying, oh, I said, well, it's like three rows back. And all of a sudden this guy comes up and goes, uh, you can't sit there. Okay. I said, uh, I said, I said, may I ask? I said, I'm not trying to be smart, brother, but may I ask why? He goes, well, that's our deacon's pew. And only the deacons sit there. So we moved and sat back to another pew. That must not have been the right pew either. That pew is where the trustees sit. I'm like, okay, where's the folding chairs? I didn't say that to them. I said that to the girls. They just looked at me and go, behave yourself. I didn't feel very loved in that church. There's sometimes we'll be out singing somewhere and I'll look back and it just looks like people have been winged on dill pickle juice. Eight wild persimmons and can cipher oats out of a jug and touch neither side. I mean, just flat look like a mule staring at a new gate, I'm telling you. And it's just like you try to sing to those people and you're trying to give the love of God to them, and it's just like, I'm super grand, I'm bouncing it off. It's like, I'm like, man, alive. I finally, in this one church we sang at, this wasn't with the girls, this was with Crimson Stream. I finally, I mean, once in a while, brother, I had all I could take. We're singing and we're just giving our all to the Lord. And it just looks like we're just hitting a brick wall, you know. 
So finally, after they did the offering, we got up and we were going to do about five, about three or four more songs. And I said, listen, folks, do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God. And he went, thank God, it's almost over. <laughs> they chuckled a little bit. And then they went back to the same old... I told the boys, I said, I bet you we could light dynamite and none of them would move. But when, we, when I go into a church and I hear people laugh and I see people smile, have people come up and shake my hand and shake their hands and say they're, they're glad, and I feel that love and that warmth, boy, I tell you what makes things go a whole lot easier when you're doing singing and ministry work. That's the kind of love we... Listen, nobody's ever going to agree on everything. Not going to happen. We're human beings. We all have our own opinions. We all have our own things that we think about things. But the one commonality that we should have in the, in the church is Jesus Christ. And He shed His love for us on Calvary, so we should be able to show His love to other people in the church. There might be somebody here this morning that may be having a, a gripe against somebody else. Listen, you need to get that taken care of. Because it will eventually turn to bitterness. And then bitterness is an ugly, ugly thing. Bitterness and gossip is the two cancers plaguing our churches today. But you know what will cure a lot of that? Loving each other. Being with each other. Surrounding yourselves with one another. Checking on each other. Listen, we're a family. Listen, we're all a part of the... If you're here this morning, you're born again, you're part of the body of Christ. Some may be part of the arm, maybe some of this arm. Some may be the legs. As Bill Gaither says, he's the nose. I heard him say that on a video one time. But we're all part of the same body. And listen, if you can't get along with each other down here, how are you going to get along up there? Maybe some of you that can't get along down here, maybe you won't be up there to get along. It's possible. It's possible. You know, the old saying is, my dad used to have a joke when we would close service. He would start the service every morning. He would look at our, one of our trustees or deacons. He said, now listen, if the Lord comes back before the church service is over this morning, brother so-and-so, you make sure all the lights are off and the place is locked up. <laughs> and he switched different people. Well, a couple of Sundays, it was about a month or so later, I got even with him. My dad got up and he said, on a Sunday night, he said, we had a baptismal this morning and some didn't make it. I get up, I walk back to the baptistry, and I'm looking. He's like, what are you doing? I said, you just told the church you drowned a whole bunch of people this morning. Because you said we had a baptismal this morning and some didn't make it. What you meant to say was some that were going to be baptized weren't able to be at service this morning, is what you meant to say, but that's not what you said. He looked at me and he goes, did I really say that? And I'm like, yes, Dad, you really said that. And the people laugh. And those folks laugh. Why? Because they love one another. Listen, I have a brother and sister. I love them to death. I don't like them all the time, but I love them to death. But if they needed me, guess what? Big brother would be there in a heartbeat. Just like if you need your fellow brothers and sisters of Christ, we should be willing to be there just like that. Bear you one another's burdens. Help each other out. Pray for them. Listen, there's three types of Christians this morning. You're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. 
And if you're going into a storm, the one that came out may be able to help you as you're going in. And then when you're in the middle of that storm, and you feel like nobody cares, and nobody's around you, what am I going to do? Jesus is right there to show His love and help you through that time. We sing a song called, Your Cries Have Awoken the Master. Now, I know God's not asleep. But in our minds sometimes, when we're going through the battle, we think God's not listening. But He is. And He answers in one of three ways. Yes, no, and not right now. Because He knows what's best for your life. And when you think He's late, He's right on time. He's always on time. Love. I'll close with this illustration. Dr. Charles Haddon Spurgeon years ago was in his office one Sunday morning or one uh, one Sunday afternoon, and he was just praying so audibly loud and just pleading with God, and just kept walking back. And one of his assistants had heard this go on for over an hour and a half, and he knocks on the door and he says, "Doctor Spurgeon, is everything okay? Are you all right?" He goes, "Everything's fine. I'm in a hurry, and God's not." <laughs> now we laugh. But how many times do we want to step ahead of what God's already got laid out? And God's like, if you just stop, let me work. Let me have my way. You'll see everything come to to fruition. Listen, when Gideon was on that mountain and he had 300 men with him, I'm sure he thought, man alive with that. I mean, they littered the field like mosquitoes down there. How are we going to get through this? But God said he's going to do it. And Gideon was faithful. And he did exactly what God told him to do. And when they crashed those pots, and that light lit up that valley, my goodness, the Midianites probably thought the whole world was coming to an end. That's the power that God... God doesn't need a lot to do much with. You may think, well, I just come here to church. I, I don't do a whole lot. I'm not really involved. Listen, God can do a lot with you. You're one person. D.L. Moody said this, The world has yet to see what God can do with one person totally sold out to Jesus Christ. So you got faith. you got healing. you got hope and love. Those four baskets right there, and I could name many more, but those four baskets right there will get you through difficult times and seasons of your life. And if you trust the Lord and lean on Him, He will not fail you. He will always be there. He is faithful. And Timothy says, He is faithful when we are faithless. He still remains faithful. Listen, God loves you this morning. He wants you to be in a personal relationship with Him. If you're here this morning and you don't know Him as your personal Savior, you don't have that personal relationship, listen, you can come to an altar this morning and get that taken care of. And you can leave here different than when you came. Maybe you're here, maybe you haven't been showing those four things in your life. You can get that fixed this morning. God's waiting. Will you come?